Compass Media Networks. This is America's First News. This morning with your host, Gordon Deal. Airstrikes hit tunnels. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Jennifer Koshenka. On this Wednesday, November 1st, glad you could be with us. Here's what we have for you this hour. The Israeli military says it killed a Hamas commander by hitting a tunnel network in Gaza that's in a densely populated refugee camp. The FBI director is warning of terrorist threats against Americans in the wake of Hamas's attack on Israel. In sports, the Rangers can win the World Series tonight. Ohio State is tops in the football playoff rankings. And Saudi Arabia will host the 2034 World Cup. And with big pay raises for unionized auto workers, what does that mean for the prices of cars? Both the union and the companies have described this as as record contracts or or probably the biggest gains uh, that the workers have seen since the 1960s. Bigger than, I think, what the companies expected heading in. So workers are getting a 25% wage increase. Um, They also got some cost of living adjustments back, which they haven't had in like 15 years. Mike Kalias set the Wall Street Journal on how automakers will deal with rising labor costs. The Israeli military says its fighter jets killed a Hamas commander who led the October 7th terror attacks in Israel. It did so by striking a command and tunnel network in northern Gaza that's in a crowded Palestinian refugee camp. Israel said it killed dozens of militants. Hamas said hundreds were dead or wounded, but didn't say how many were militants, while hospital officials in Gaza reported receiving scores of bodies. The Israeli strike flattened entire apartment blocks, leaving deep craters. Arwa Mena is with Mercy Corporation. People have to line up in front of bakeries and uh, points of distribution for cleaning water for up to three and four hours uh, um, during this very risky environment of having bombardment happening around the clock. The Israeli military said 11 soldiers were also killed in fighting in Gaza yesterday, the biggest one-day loss for the armed forces. For more than three weeks, Israel has been asking residents of northern Gaza to move to the southern end of the enclave. Many Gazans have been unable to flee due to ongoing Israeli airstrikes. The White House is now threatening to veto proposed aid to Israel. Republican House Speaker Mike Johnson wants to hold a vote tomorrow on a $14 billion measure to help America's biggest ally in the Middle East, but it does not include funds for Ukraine. The money would come from funds previously allocated for the Internal Revenue Service. White House National Security Spokesman John Kirby. There shouldn't be any political games played here with our national security or trying to turn support for Israel's self-defense into some side of some sort of uh, political football. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer called the package partisan and woefully uh, inadequate. Mr. Johnson has said he is open to looking at Ukraine aid, but that Israel funds were more urgent, and a slimmer package would ensure its quick passage due to growing skepticism of funding Kyiv among Republican lawmakers. The White House last night also says the measure would set a dangerous precedent by demanding offsets to meet core national security needs. FBI Director Chris Wray is warning that Hamas's terror attacks on Israel could motivate threats similar to those posed by ISIS in the past. Speaking to the Senate Homeland Security Committee on worldwide threats, he said in just the past few weeks, multiple foreign terrorist organizations have called for attacks against Americans and the West. He says the biggest concern is the lone wolf-style assailants targeting Western nations. Here in the United States, our most immediate concern is that violent extremists individuals or small groups will draw 
inspiration from the events in the Middle East to carry out attacks against Americans going about their daily lives. In written remarks delivered to Congress, Mr. Ray said there's no information to indicate that Hamas has the intent or capability to conduct operations inside the U.S., but can't discount that possibility. Mr. Ray said the threat was in some ways reaching historic levels. He says Jews make up just 2.4 percent of the U.S. population, but were targeted by 60 percent of religious-based hate crimes before the latest round of Middle East violence. Now your ideas don't have to wait. Now they have everything they need to come to life. Dell Technologies and Intel are creating technology that loves ideas, loves expanding your business, evolving your passions. We push what technology can do so great ideas can happen right now. Find out how to bring your ideas to life at dell.com slash welcome to now. That's dell.com slash welcome to now. Hey, thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Wednesday. The Biden administration is looking to avoid hiccups in the rollout of the new COVID-19 vaccines. It, it begins shifting coverage of coronavirus treatments to the private market. Private insurance companies will need to start covering treatments beginning today, but the federal government's supply will remain available for providers to order and distribute until it runs out or expires. More from Nathaniel Wexel, healthcare reporter at The Hill. Nate set this up. You know, in the first days about a month ago, when the new COVID vaccines came out, you know, people were getting their appointments canceled or they couldn't find appointments or their insurance wouldn't cover the the vaccine administration. And, you know, when you're looking at kids, kids, you know, parents with young kids couldn't find appointments for months or again, like their pediatrician might not have had the vaccine. So these are, are some of the things that they're hoping to avoid uh, as antivirals like Paxlovid uh, become commercialized. Okay. How popular, I guess, are the boosters or the types of vaccines that are available now? Or are people demanding them? Are we seeing that? It has improved. Uh, so, you know, the thing about the, it's, you know, vaccines are, it's the third round of vaccines right now. So, People are, again, kind of over COVID-19. So, and CDC doesn't necessarily, isn't able to completely track, but, uh, you know, about 17% of the population got the last round of shots. So it seems like they're kind of on track to get to that number again this year. Uh, so we'll see. But, you know, the, the issues have sort of been resolved for the most part is what HHS has been saying. So... Uh, hopefully things can continue going off without a hitch. All right. So, so what do consumers need to know here about uh, like the transition to private coverage? Yeah. So, you know, right now, you if you get COVID nineteen and you are at high risk, you can uh, you'll be prescribed uh, antiviral Paxlovid. Essentially, uh, it's this drug from Pfizer, and Right now, you get it for free because the federal government purchases it from the manufacturer and they will send it out to pharmacies or or doctors. And then starting uh, November 1st is when the private insurance market takes over. So the government is going to be ordering them, will really only be in charge of purchasing them for another month until mid-December, and then it's entirely on the commercial market. So... If you have private insurance, you're probably going to have to have a copay. 
if you need Paxlovid, if you are on Medicare, Medicaid, or are uninsured, you will still be able to get Paxlovid for free. Hmm. So that will not change for people uh, on public insurance, but for people with private insurance, it's going to be just like getting any other prescription. You're probably just going to have to pay something for it. Got it. We're speaking with Nate Wexel, healthcare reporter at The Hill. His piece is called Biden Administration Looks to Avoid Vaccine Hiccups as COVID-19 Treatment Coverage Goes Commercial. What about the supplies, whether it's the uh, the vaccine and or the drugs here? Right. So the issue with the vaccine when it first came out is this, there wasn't a ton of supply. Uh, the transition happened pretty much instantaneously. Uh there was a new formulation of the vaccine came on the market and then immediately the old formulation, the, the bivalent booster, was no longer authorized for use. So you couldn't get it. Providers couldn't give it to you. Uh, and there just really wasn't any supply of the new version. Administration officials are saying that's not necessarily going to be the case with drugs like Paxlovid because there is so much supply available on the market right now. There are millions of doses available that have not been used yet, uh, whether it's in pharmacies, whether it's in providers' offices. The drug is out there. So the hope is that there will be much more supply available than there were with vaccines. So this long runway gives the system more of a time to catch up. Thanks, Nate. Nathaniel Wexel, healthcare reporter at The Hill. 20 minutes after the hour on This Morning, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. A barrage of Israeli airstrikes leveled apartment buildings in a refugee camp near Gaza City. Israel says the strikes, which targeted a senior Hamas military leader, destroyed a militant command center and an underground tunnel network. The director of a nearby hospital said hundreds of people were wounded or killed, but he did not provide exact figures. Mercy Corps' Arwa Mena spoke with ABC. The doctors are working around the clock and the uh, first responders uh, responders are just um, on the ground responding um, around the clock. The health system is collapsing. Israel aggressively defended the attack. Meanwhile, hunger is spreading in Gaza as Palestinians living in the enclave grow increasingly desperate in a search for food. Number two. House Speaker Mike Johnson is on a collision course with the Senate over a plan to immediately fund aid for Israel but not Ukraine. With a proposed House bill drawing rebukes from Democrats and a cool reception from some Republicans who favor a broader foreign policy package, such as Republican Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. At the end of the day, I think all of these um, um, conflicts uh, have to be dealt with strongly and they should be dealt with together. Johnson is moving to hold a vote on a bill tomorrow, giving Israel $14.3 billion in aid and taking previously allocated funding for the IRS to offset the expense. Critics of the bill say cutting funds for the IRS would actually boost the federal deficit by lowering the expected amount of taxes collected. Number three. Three people have been arrested in New York City on charges of illegally smuggling millions of dollars worth of electronics to Russia in order to aid the country's invasion of Ukraine. Federal prosecutors in Brooklyn accused the three of evading sanctions in order to send Russia equipment used in their precision-guided missile systems. Prosecutors say some of that equipment has been used 
used on the battlefield in Ukraine. Huge changes may be coming to the real estate world after a federal jury in Missouri found the National Association of Realtors and large residential brokerage liable for about $1.8 billion in damages after determining they conspired to keep commissions for home sales artificially high. Home sellers in several Midwestern states argued that unlawful industry practices left consumers unable to lower their costs, even though Internet-era innovations have allowed many buyers to find homes themselves online. All right. Thank you, Jen. Glad you're with us. One of the big questions for retailers is what will happen when shoppers' holiday bills come due? Melissa Repko at CNBC says retailers are paying closer attention to factors that influence our debt load, including rising interest rates and the resumption of student loan payments. Melissa, explain. Yes, well, the difference this year is that, of course, holiday shoppers always use their credit cards in some cases to pay for expenses. That could be anything from the Christmas tree to the meal on the table to gifts. What's different this year is because of all those interest rate hikes from the Fed, that means that it's more expensive to borrow money. And some shoppers may not be aware of that. So when they're paying down that balance come January or February, they are also going to potentially be paying higher interest rates if they or higher rates, higher APRs, if they don't pay off that full balance. Oh, boy. So what about delinquencies? Where are we now? And is anybody making predictions about what could happen, say, early 2024? So delinquencies are up compared to what they used to be during the pandemic. And some of that was expected to happen because we're in more of a typical spending environment. They're not as high as they were during the Great Recession. That being said, the real question is what they look like early next year, because if they continue to go up, that could be a warning sign for some retailers. And Macy's and Kohl's are among the retailers who have been asked by investors on recent earnings calls you know, how are your credit card portfolios look, looking? A lot of those retailers have cards of their own or co-branded cards. I think we're used to as shoppers having them, you know, try to sell us on those cards. And often those cards actually come with higher APRs, yeah, so even yeah. higher rates of, you know, if you carry over that balance, you're going to be paying more for it. We're speaking with Melissa Repko, retail reporter at CNBC. Her piece is called Taking on Shopping Debt Carries More Risk this holiday season. Uh, plus, we've got student loan payments that have resumed here at the beginning of October, kind of factoring in here. I didn't realize, though, that kind of retailers do pay attention to this. I didn't think they cared. Like, you swipe the credit card, they get the money. You, you know, you got to pay the lender. Uh, but are, are they doing stuff sort of anticipating that we could have a problem as consumers with our debt? Yes, definitely. These retailers are paying attention to the risk they take on when they have you sign up for their card. Macy's CFO spoke about this a little bit on the earnings call, saying basically it's it's looking at its risk portfolio. You know, all these different cards are through a bank. So they talk about you know who qualifies and also catering to shoppers that may be more capable of paying down those bills. So they kind of run the numbers and make sure that the shoppers that do get a card are in a better position to pay for it. But that can be hard to predict in some cases when there's factors like student loans coming back in, people are juggling more debt. And um, I guess one specific factor that could help these retailers though is the labor market. So it's important to have that big caveat that one thing that's really different about this moment than during the Great Recession when credit card delinquencies ticked up is that people are generally employed, and that does give them, in theory, more ability to pay down that credit card debt. Thanks, Melissa. Melissa Repko, retail reporter at CNBC. 
30 minutes now after the hour on This Morning, America's First News. Hey there, Gordon Deal here, and everyone knows the best part of fall is the food. I found a new way to embrace the season. Hello Fresh Markets, limited time fall flavors. Let me tell you about their apple cider cake with caramel sauce. Man, so good. Are you looking for the perfect game night treat? Write this one down, barbecue pulled pork nachos. Speaking of which, I recently had the kids home from school, and HelloFresh not only saved me time, but made me look like a pro chef. Using farm-fresh ingredients, you're going to get the flavors of fall in every bite. And trust me, you don't want to miss out on the mini pumpkin cheesecake. It's perfect for a me-time treat. Want to give it a shot? Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Gordon and use code 50Gordon for 50% off plus free shipping. That's right, 50% off plus free shipping at HelloFresh.com slash 50Gordon with code 50Gordon. HelloFresh.com slash 50Gordon with code 50Gordon. Blocking out the noise and bringing you the facts. You're listening to America's First News this morning with Gordon Deal. Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Wednesday, November 1st. Gordon Deal with Jennifer Koshenka. Some of our top stories and headlines. Israel kills Hamas militants by bombing a tunnel network in a crowded area of Gaza. Cornell student arrested for posting online threats against Jewish students. WeWork is reportedly planning to file for bankruptcy. The Rangers can win their first World Series tonight. Saudi Arabia is the lone bidder for the 2034 World Cup. Former General Hospital actor Tyler Christopher has died at 50. And how a community helped a little girl enjoy Halloween before her open-heart surgery. That story in about 20 minutes. The United Auto Workers campaign against Detroit's three automakers can be described as one thing for the union. A win. That closure is a positive for the car makers, but Mike Kalias, reporter at the Wall Street Journal, says it portends difficult times ahead for the Detroit Three, with the new PACs expected to push the company's labor costs higher. Mike, how so? Yeah, I mean, that both the union and the companies have described this as, as record contracts or, or probably the biggest gains uh, that the workers have seen since the 1960s. Um, bigger than, I think, what the companies expected heading in, so workers are getting a 25% wage increase. Um, they also got some cost of living adjustments back, which they haven't had in like 15 years. So that gets added into the their fixed wage. Besides the some of the basics of the contracts, like uh, like the pay hikes, what else was in there that maybe wasn't talked about as much? Yeah, I think pay for temporary workers is a big deal. I know that the union has really hated this, this idea that you've got one person working on the line making half of what another person might be making. And so temps get a much larger pay increase uh, from this thing. It's, you know, you, you could, if, there's a lot of people who will go from making about 16 bucks an hour to 40 by the end of this contract wow. in four years. Um, so that, that's a big deal for workers. The temp situation can be really tough. Uh, you know, retirement benefits, uh, you know, I think the, the nine or 10% uh, it's a 401k match. I mean, the union went in wanting a return of, of traditional pensions, and that was kind of a non-starter for the companies, but okay. they really sweetened the defined contribution side of things. We're speaking with Mike Kalias, autos reporter at the Wall Street Journal. His piece is called Detroit is Paying Up to End the UAW Strike. Now car makers will live with the costs. All right, so speaking of the costs, uh, higher labor costs here, more expensive American cars and SUVs, is that 
is that what is ahead for consumers? I think that it that it could trickle down over time. Yes, right now I think it's it's going to be difficult to pass along some of these costs because, as we've talked about in the past, Gordon, that we're kind of at a ceiling in terms of uh, what the what the car companies can charge. I mean, you know, the, since the pandemic, a historic run of sort of price increases, the willingness of consumers to pay up for different models and features. Uh, right now, you know, with higher interest rates. You know, it's going to be hard for the companies to get much more. I think the expectation is pricing is actually going to go the other way uh, here in the in the short term over the next year. But further out, yeah, I do think uh, you know Ford put the put the cost of this at about 900 bucks a car. Um, you know, this is an industry that agonizes over nickels and dimes, yeah. uh, adding cost to the to the vehicle. And so you you know, I think it's also you know you could say well maybe Detroit's going to lose market share because Toyota. The Toyotas and Kias and Hyundais and Teslas of the world are paying their their workers a lot less. Although I do think we're going to see some wage inflation at those companies as well. So I, I do think that longer term across the board, it could it could trickle down into consumer pricing. What have investors been saying about uh, like Ford and GM now kind of dialing back those electric vehicle plans? Well, I mean, right now, the, you know, the, the the short answer is investors aren't really uh, thrilled with auto stocks right now. Um, they're at multi-year lows. Uh, this UAW contract didn't help, but there's also been some other things that have gone on just in the past week. Both GM and Ford um, had pretty significant walkbacks of, of their plans for EV investment, both citing uh, demand that hasn't materialized like they expected. Now, on the one hand, investors might say, well, you know, maybe that's maybe that's prudent. You know, let's not spend a ton of money on something that if we're not sure there's going to be a, a payoff for it. Uh, but you know, these these EV investments and the fact that Detroit and and the traditional car makers were finally going to get in the game against Tesla, and there's this huge growth opportunity as the industry moves to EVs. I mean, that got that got the street excited for a few years, and um, you know, it's kind of like I think investors are looking at this going, well, okay, higher labor costs pressure on the traditional business. Now we're not as excited about the future stuff that was supposed to be your growth engines. Mm. Like there's just not a whole lot that investors are, are super excited about right now, I think, with these auto stocks. Thanks, Mike. Mike Colias, autos reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Today's Mike Drop is brought to you by Dell. For your small business needs, call a Dell Technologies advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Wednesday, October 32nd. Can I try that again? Oh, I, we're, I just, we, we do that every month now? Oh, well, I, I just wanted to try again in some way to hang on to fall. Yeah, that's what it is. You're, yeah, trying, to, you're trying, trying to stay involved yeah. as long as possible. I think okay. I tried uh, September 31st. Right. That didn't really work. No. I'm trying for October 32nd. Yeah. No, I not, mean, you know, you might feeling be, it though. maybe a day or two you can get away with yeah. that. But eventually, uh, you know, Thanksgiving comes and uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's off and running at that point. Turn the clocks back the oh, following man, weekend. Oh, that's coming, like, yeah. I'm really trying to hang on to fall. <laughs> Time now for the mic drop with this morning's Mike Gavin. Good morning. Well, it's been a minute since we've had a travel nightmare to talk about, and we have two making the rounds today. Let's start on the plane where a woman was already having a bad flight because the man behind her was kicking her seat for the entire flight, but it went from bad to worse when the guy had the gall to complain to a flight attendant that she was in the wrong because she was moving around too much. The woman told her story on Reddit, explaining that the man behind her had his knees in the back of her seat for the entire four-hour flight to Mexico. Then when a flight attendant 
attendant came by, he complained that she was moving her seat around too much for him. That led to the woman feeling like she couldn't move her seat at all after that and a much more uncomfortable flight for her. Commenters were universally on her side, saying that the complaint would have been a green light for them to recline back and forth for the rest of the flight. Yeah, I can almost hear the guy complaining to the flight attendant. <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> what it sounds like. Yes, but I will say this. Um, you know, she was reclining. That was the problem that he had, is that she was reclining. It wasn't that she was moving in her seat. I guess she was reclining her seat back and forth. Oh. Right? Okay. And you and I are sort of on the record that we're not big fans of reclining. Yeah. Right? It's, so, <laughs> yes. That's kind of the issue here. It's, it's like it's reclining with a request. Right. Like, just turn around and say, hey, would you mind right. if I reclined? Yes, yes. Would it be okay? So, so yeah. his, his his reason initially seemed weird. She was moving around. Right. Well, yeah. she's going back and forth. Yeah, it's still yeah. not a reason for him to stick his knees in her seat, but right. come on. Can we act like adults on the plane? A little bit of conversation Jeez. back and forth where they probably saw the Grow whole up. <laughs> and uh, once you make it to your destination, there are other potential pitfalls, like navigating in a country where you don't speak the language. That's what one traveler was trying to do on a recent trip to Portugal, but they accidentally triggered a bomb scare instead. The 36-year-old Russian speaker was trying to translate the word pomegranate using a translation app, but came up with a Portuguese word for grenade instead. When he wrote the word down on a napkin and handed it to a waiter at a restaurant, the server interpreted it as a bomb threat and then called the police. Local TV footage showed five officers approach the traveler with their guns drawn as he lies on the ground like a scene from an action movie. Then they cuffed the man and they took him into custody. He was later released after it was found that he didn't have any weapons. And just wanted a pomegranate. All he wanted was a pomegranate. Thank, thank goodness uh, he wasn't in a bank. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Slipping a note yeah. to a teller saying, can I have pomegranate? Right. I think if he had said the words, yeah, that was the thing. Cause, because he wrote it down, like in a <laughs> yeah. movie, right? He wrote it down on a piece of paper Oof. and slipped it to the waiter. And I think that was the problem. If he had tried to say the word and maybe said it incorrectly, the waiter would have understood, maybe mm. tried to figure it out. But because he wrote it on a piece of paper and slyly handed it to him, that was the problem. What, does he not have like Google Translate on his phone? Well, he did use a translating app, but I guess somehow got it wrong. Either oh, the, the translating app screwed up or he put the wrong word in to get translated, whatever mm. the issue was. He tried his best and still failed. So it might be the fault of a software. Uh, perhaps program of some or, kind. Or user error. Yeah, we haven't determined perhaps. that yet. Wow, that's scary. Thank you, Mike. The Americans' prolonged spending spree has confounded economists and resulted in a surging U.S. economy. How is it we keep spending? The Wall Street Journal identified five ways. Number one, jobs are everywhere. Job openings exceeded the number of Americans seeking work by more than three million in August. Number two, playing with house money. The Federal Reserve of New York says since the pandemic's onset through the second quarter, of this year, Americans collectively pocketed about $280 billion from tapping the equity in their homes. Number three, we saved. Overall, Americans accumulated more than $2 trillion in savings above the pre-pandemic trend. Number four, the Buy Now Brigade. There's a mindset among some that could be driving some people to buy a car or fix their home while they can still afford it. Number five, a new outlook on life. Ticketmaster sold 18% more event tickets in the first six months. Of this year. That said, a new bank rate survey finds 60% of us say we've fallen behind on emergency savings this year. Eight minutes now in front of the hour on this morning. Once again, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Israel says it hit a Hamas command and tunnel network in northern Gaza, causing widespread casualties and damage in a crowded Palestinian refugee camp. 
Israel says it killed dozens of militants, including a commander who it said led the October 7th attack in Israel. Hamas said hundreds were dead or wounded. Meanwhile, Pentagon spokesman Pat Ryder says the U.S. is sending an additional 300 troops to the Middle East. These additional troops will provide capabilities and explosive ordnance disposal, communications, and other support enablers for forces already in the region. Ryder says the troops will not be stationed in Israel. Number two. U.S. intelligence officials warned a Senate panel Americans could be targeted in the U.S. by terrorist groups in the Middle East inspired by the war between Israel and Hamas. FBI Director Christopher Wray. We assess that the actions of Hamas and its allies will serve as an inspiration the likes of which we haven't seen since ISIS launched its so-called caliphate several years ago. Multiple foreign terror groups have called for attacks against Americans in the U.S., including al-Qaeda, the Islamic State, and Hezbollah. Number three. A 21-year-old Cornell University student has been arrested for posting threats online against Jewish students at the university. Patrick Dye, a junior originally from Pittsford, New York, was arrested on a federal criminal complaint, charging him with posting threats to kill or injure another using interstate communications. The Trump Organization's $250 million civil fraud trial will become a family affair today when Donald Trump Jr. becomes the first of the former president's children to take the witness stand. The trial centers on allegations Donald Trump and his business fraudulently inflated his net worth to get better loans and secure insurance deals. New York Attorney General Letitia James named the three Trump children who served as Trump Organization executive vice presidents Donald Jr., Eric, and Ivanka as defendants alleging they were into involved in operating the family's business. Golf's latest venture, an indoor high-tech league launched by Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy, will get underway on January 9th. The league, called the TGL, will feature six teams of four players playing each other once in a league format at a venue in Florida. Serena and Venus Williams and Steph Curry are among the league's backers. I like that. Indoor golf? Indoor nice. golf. Better have high roofs. <laughs> Thank you, Jen. Aging is a journey that can gather some unwanted passengers, namely those senescent or zombie cells. Hi, it's Gordon Deal, and I used to feel that sluggish middle-aged mood, those aches after workouts. I could practically feel those old cells just taking up space, bogging me down. Then I found Qualia Senolytic. Think of it as giving your body a little spring cleaning, pruning away the worn-out cells, and letting the lively ones shine. And you only take it two days a month. Crafted with vegan, gluten-free, non-GMO ingredients. Plus, with a 100-day money-back guarantee, you've got a risk-free journey to rejuvenation. Resist aging at the cellular level. Try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash Gordon for up to $100 off and use code Gordon at checkout for an additional 15% off. That's neurohacker.com slash Gordon for an extra 15% off. Thanks to Neurohacker for sponsoring today's show. Neurohacker.com slash Gordon. Thanks for being with us. A little girl from Syria was sad to learn that she would have to miss trick-or-treating due to a heart surgery the day before Halloween, but her New Orleans community made sure she still got to experience the fun of what she calls her favorite holiday. Naz Hassan, who's just four, was born with a very large hole between the ventricles of her heart. Fox News says she came to the U.S. through the Louisiana chapter of the nonprofit The Heart Gift Foundation, which provides surgical and interventional services to international patients from countries that lack the proper resources. When word filtered out to the neighborhood that Naz would have to miss Halloween, the community decided to throw her an early celebration. Over 60 homes took part in her very own trick-or-treat experience last weekend. She had the open-heart surgery Monday. All went according to plan. 
leaving the operating room breathing on her own. She was expected to go home a couple of days after surgery. That'll do it for this hour. For Jennifer Koshenka and Mike Gavin, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News.